WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to our debut episode on Wrestling Inc. We're so excited. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul. Yep, exciting time. Happy to be a part of the Wrestling Inc. family. Yep, it's going to be exciting moving forward. And for all of you guys who are new listeners and new viewers, we talk a lot about WWE, but we also talk tons about New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Impact, all kinds of other wrestling as well. And we have some fun pop culture discussions to boot so we're kind of like a variety of things and i kind of like that about us we're not just strictly one thing or another we like to have fun but we definitely like to get down to it and talk wrestling as well yep we always start the show with what we call headlines after uh, our two-faced logo and then uh, the middle segment is always some sort of extended discussion it could be our pop culture segment called pop and wrestling connection uh, we have Heads and Tails, which is an extended discussion about the news or something in the wrestling world that we think warrants an extended discussion. It could be past or present or speculation of the future of wrestling, anything. And down the road, we are going to debut another uh, segment called Super Kicking It Old School, where we'll discuss uh, some classic wrestling as well. And then we end the show by taking your questions, and then we close out the show and send them home with a thought that we have. So. Yeah, so quickly, let's talk about our name and why we are called Two-Face Wrestling Talk for those people being like, what does that mean? Well, yes, I know that the Batman character of Two-Face doesn't have a D, but we're Two-Face Wrestling Talk because I think that our personalities and our views on wrestling are kind of like the two different sides of Two-Face's personality in Batman. So I kind of thought of that when I was coming up with name possibilities for our podcast and our logo was designed by a really great artist a wrestling artist his name is eric hodson you could find him on facebook at eric hodson illustrations he's also on twitter at dreaded dinosaur because he's got a comic called dreaded dinosaur man he's super talented and if you're going to all in doing any of the special events he is doing the artwork for every special event so like marty scrolls karaoke there's a special piece of art that our guy who did our logo made for Marty Skrull and a whole bunch of other events, too. He's great. Please be sure to check him out. He is, and you can kind of see over Kelsey's shoulder some of his artwork. He does a lot on co- comic book covers. Yeah, so, he does spoofs on yeah. that, but with wrestling. Yeah, so he's done some great work. Definitely check him out. He is an amazing artist and very creative. Yeah, and be sure to follow us on Twitter in case you have questions or you just want to find out our opinion about something, we'll also be releasing polls every now and then. We're on Twitter at TwoFacedPod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. Or you can check out our website, TwoFacedPod.com. But yeah, let's get right into talking wrestling now. It's been a really hectic week, and it's only going to get more hectic with Slammiversary coming up and a Ring of Honor pay-per-view that I'm actually really looking forward to, Honor for All. And the reason I'm looking forward to it is because there's a big match, which might have implications for All In and for the NWA as a whole. Yeah, Nick Aldis going to go against uh, Flip Gordon. Uh, Will this get Flip in? I know we had a a discussion about this on the show uh, a couple weeks ago where I thought maybe Flip beats Aldis and 
Cody says, I'm supposed to get the championship match at All In, and Aldis calls for his his uh, rematch, and maybe it becomes a triple threat, and Flip gets All In that way. Or uh, or you had the theory of uh, Cody screwing Flip in this match so <laughs> yeah. that he can't be All In. So I could see that easily <laughs> happening because, you know, Cody wants that title match first, and he really doesn't want Flip to be all in. And I think that what we could end up seeing is just Flip showing up at all in, unannounced. Maybe he'll get his revenge and, you know, interfere with the Nick Aldis match at all in if nothing changes after this upcoming pay-per-view. I don't know, but if you want to have added layers to the story, what's being released on NWA's YouTube channel right now is really great stuff. There's like a, a video series a playlist on there called 10 pounds of gold and it's all about the journey of nick aldis but really more so the nwa championship and how that's being kind of brought back into prominence and flip was recently highlighted on the latest episode and actually there was a special cameo with david arquette which i actually like seeing come on everyone <laughs> thinks of him i think in one way they're like oh he should have never had the title but you know what yes that's He's exactly I know. The way I'm thinking. But you know what I'm thinking is, is that he loves wrestling. And you could tell he respects the business. He does. Who, if I had an opportunity to just win a belt like that, the classic WCW belt, wouldn't I just take that opportunity? I don't fault him for that. It's like he's been a wrestling fan his whole life. He wanted, I know he probably knew in the back of his head it's not right, but he wanted to take that opportunity. But still at the same time, he respects wrestling. And he's actually wrestling and training right now, which is kind of cool. He's going through, like, you know, he's paying his dues. I don't know. I have nothing but respect for him. So that was kind of <laughs> cool to see He him. does like the wrestling business. I'll give him the, But uh, to go with your analogy, it'd be like somebody hands me the Stanley Cup and I haven't played a lick of hockey. I just, I'm, I don't think I would accept it. You, you're right. Oh, you would I, hold it. I don't know if I'd hold it. I don't think. You know, it's prestigious. I don't know. I, I can see your point, though. <laughs> I, I can see your point. But uh, another match I'm looking forward to is the Addiction versus the Bucks versus the Briscoes. Oh my god, that's going to be awesome. Really, it's billed as SCU, but Scorpio Sky has a match with right, Punishment Martinez, right. so it's really just the Addiction. But it's going to be so good. I, I mean, can't wait. I mean, these are three of the best tag teams in the world. It's going to be high-flying, hard-hitting. Uh, we just saw the Briscoes versus the Young Bucks not too long ago, and now you add a, a third layer in with Daniels and Kazarian. I don't know how this match doesn't steal the show. In fact, I got to say, most of the rest of the show doesn't excite me all that much. But that and then seeing the Nick Aldis flip match are really, to me, the two highlights. Yeah, in the late, latest NWA episode, there were some quotes they took, like, you know, submitted videos from people, including Dave Meltzer, who said that he actually is going to watch it live because of the Nick Aldis flip match because it makes it kind of like a must-see show mm -hmm. whereas maybe you could have watched it the day after otherwise which is understandable i know we'll be watching live and if something significant happens another thing to be lo looking out for is occasionally after live events we'll release a spare change which is just a little two-minute reaction video not saying we'll we will for sure but if something big happens on that ring of honor show you can bet we'll be talking about it right after. Also, I'll be doing a Periscope, or I'm planning to at least, right. with my reactions from the show. And there's some other matches I'm looking forward to, like Chucky e. T versus Bully Ray. I love Chucky e. T. Yeah. So uh, he's a We saw him up close at PWG, and he's great. He really is. He's one of a kind, for sure. Um, I think it's a little odd. TK Orion is going against Cody, so that doesn't really excite me that much, like you said. No. Although I like both of them. It's, just, it's a weird matchup. And I think Scorpio Sky and Punishment Martinez... 
will be a really solid match. It's just not a lot to be excited about going into it, other than the fact that you got two really good wrestlers and could do some high-flying spots there. Yep, I have to agree with you there. But uh, what's even more exciting, I think, than the ROH pay-per-view is all these great G1 Climax shows that have been taking place. It's hard as a fan to keep up when there's so many shows in such a short period of time, but the quality of these shows are worth watching, worth going out of your way for. I mean, we're not staying up live to watch them, but I wish I could. If I didn't have a full-time job, (laughs) I would be. Um, It's been some great stuff, and we've got some questions later about our favorites, so we're not going to go into our favorites now, but anything stick out to you? Who do you think is looking good so far? Well, one thing we should point out, uh, when we're recording this show, it is before... We have seen night four. So we've right, only seen only... the first three nights so yes. far. The two two nights of the A block, one night of the B block. Uh, I think, you know, look, and I, I'll say this again when we're asked later. I, Jay White has been, you know, carrying over his great heel work going into the U.S. title match at the G1 show against Juice, even though he lost there. And his heel work has been great so far. I think the surprises so far are the wrestlers that have come out of the gate 0-2. Now, it's a long tournament. They could turn around and win seven straight. Oh, yeah. But you're talking some big guys. Okada. Okada, Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki. I didn't (laughs) want to see that. I was like, no! I want Suzuki to be, like, way ahead. I mean, if you had told me Suzuki and Okada would both start the tournament 0-2, I would have thought we were in Bizarro World. I know. But, you know, Jay White, you predicted he would have a good showing, and he's having a great showing. So you think he's going to win. I'd like to see him win it all, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think at first I had trouble accepting this Switchblade character, but now I'm liking it more and more, quite honestly. I think he's growing into it more, and I think as a fan I'm seeing just him feel more comfortable, and it's becoming more believable. Because when a wrestler is comfortable with his character, I feel like that's when I as a fan can enjoy it the most. Because before it just seemed like, so out of place knowing how he was on excursion in ring of honor mm-hmm. he was such a natural baby face so to right. turn him so abruptly that was hard to believe but now it's been so long you know it's kind of further away from his excursion further away from him being a baby face and this character's just he's doing better with it like what he says like please move the f out of the way <laughs> like a few weeks ago he said mm-hmm. that that was great yeah so so many great little moments with him and i think the g1 whole fiasco kind of helped him yeah yeah. With Barnett. That almost kind of added some heel heat. Mm-hmm. In fact, Barnett even said that, like, uh, the kid's lucky he got, like, you know, some real heel heat there. <laughs> That's a whole different story. We <laughs> talked about it last week on our podcast about how I'm not a huge fan of the J.R. Barnett commentary for the U.S. specials on Access TV. No. But hopefully, you know, people will overlook that and give it a chance if there are casual fans just tuning in for the first time hearing that commentary because it really is great when you have somebody like Kevin Kelly who's doing all these shows to give a little backstory and to just I don't know put things into perspective for well, the viewer well I mean and you have the quote that you're going to read from him oh yeah about the whole announcer controversy it's it, almost like he was addressing it without really addressing it and yeah, I loved it yeah no it was really good because it was you know, it's it's the elephant in the room. And, and look, we've mentioned that Coach on WWE has made a, a, a comment about broken ribs are going around. Now, that uh, was offensive. I don't think what Kevin Kelly said was like no, that. No, no. I'm just saying there's no doubt that this is a topic of discussion. So Kevin Kelly, right right in the middle of the match, kind of yeah. talked about uh, 
you know, things going on outside the ring. I'll, I'll read it right now because during the G1, JR was saying all kinds of stuff like he doesn't like, and I understand that some other people feel this way too. Probably some of our listeners feel this way. They don't like when rules aren't observed, when the count isn't started, when the wrestlers are just, you know, doing whatever they want outside of the ring. They think it's hard to believe, it's hard to buy into. I am not bothered by it. For some reason, I can overlook that. I don't know why. But Kevin Kelly at least has a great explanation to how things work. And at least he's putting the product over. Which, by the way, is what a commentator is supposed to do to the product that he's, you know, commentating. Right. Okay, so Kevin Kelly on night one, the A block, during the Evil and Elgin match, he said... There are a lot of questions about referees' discretion and matchups in New Japan Pro Wrestling. You saw even how reticent Asami was to call for disqualification in the previous match with Paige and Fale. Nobody pays to see a referee. Nobody pays to see a referee call for a DQ. Let the athletes fight it out. They'll get back in the ring eventually. Let's not get too hung up on the rules. And then Rocky Romero piped in. That's the good thing about New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's the part I love the most. Let them fight it out. Referee's discretion. And then Kevin Kelly adds, especially with so much on the line in championship matches or in the tournament like this G1 Climax. It's, I mean, look, it's the same argument that's made in baseball. Nobody pays to see the umpires umpire. Nobody in the NFL pays to see the referees officiate, despite the fact that they love the TV time. You know, (laughs) soccer referees, sometimes it seems like they're making decisions to put themselves in the center of the action. This is one thing that New Japan's got right. It, you know, nobody wants to see a 20 count. I mean, they want to see a decision. When, Even when there's a 10 count in WWE, what do the fans do? They boo. Cause yeah. Because they, they don't want to when count When there's not out. a decisive finish either. Right. And WWE, that happens a lot more often than in New Japan. And I like that. I like that there's more decisive finishes. And if they always basically started the count right when the wrestlers are off doing whatever, then we don't get all these awesome things happening on the outside of the ring, like Suzuki slamming railings into people. Heck, even a WWE boy, Chris Jericho, slamming a tripod into Naito. So that was a very extreme match. That was an awesome match. But, you know, tons of stuff going on outside of the ring there. Let's circle back to the G1. A couple other people that have jumped out. You just mentioned him a moment ago. Michael Elgin looks great. Not just physically, but... Looks really good as a wrestler uh, right now. And then the faction with Toma Tonga leading. Yeah, the firing squad. They look like a great faction right now. They're really kind of getting the one up on everybody, especially other members of the Bullet Club, but other people on other factions as well. So I kind of like to see that because it gives me the feeling that Toma Tonga is going to go really far in this G1. I might even, you know, be willing to bet that he could end up in the finals. I don't know. I just feel like this whole firing squad thing is kind of a setup for him doing really well in the G1. So I, I've liked what I've seen from him, but of course it's not been clean, mm-hmm. which is the way to go with a heel faction like this. So another person who I really like is Zack Sabre Jr., but you know he's not doing the best, not as good as I thought he would do. In fact, <laughs> I picked him as one of my block winners, and I don't think he's going to win the block. But that, that makes sense because he just won the New Japan Cup. Why would he win the G1? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to do that. And he lost to Kota Ibushi, which upset <gasps> you doubly. It did. It made me happy. I like Kota Ibushi. <clears throat> Even though I, I like Zack. <laughs> I like Zack Sabre Jr. better than Kota Ibushi. I'm not you, hating on him. I don't like his personality. I love like his wrestling. I like Kota Ibushi. What are I, you do, I do. I you like do. his wrestling. So G1... Continues from now until, I think, the middle of next year, I think, is when it ends. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like that, <laughs> it but is it's really, worth it. It is. It's been awesome so far. And and they do a great job. 
WWE does this to an extent, but they don't seem to do it as well. The tag team matches the night before set up stories yeah. for the singles matches the, the following night. And they don't feel like throwaway matches. No, like Jay White and Tanahashi were on opposite sides in a tag team match. And you could tell it was all about the setup for the night before. I or like night that. After. I don't know why, what it is that makes their presentation better. Obviously, it's the booking and the storytelling in ring. It's like, I wish WWE could capture that and match it. Although, at the same time, we don't want all wrestling to be the same. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's something that makes New Japan special that somehow that these tag matches that could be thrown away really aren't. They can add to the story of a larger singles match, and I like that. Speaking of WWE, shall we move on to Extreme Rules? Let's. All right. Well, uh, I thought it was okay pay-per-view. Um, you know, I, got, I, I said it to you that night. I was shocked to say that one of the best matches to me was Lashley and Roman Reigns. And I was, I was shocked that I was saying that. Now, was it the best match? No. Probably Rollins and Ziggler was the best match, best drama, all of that. I liked that way that match was booked. Yeah. The Ziggler match against Rollins. That was great. Yeah, I mean, you never see a wrestler fall into a 3-0 hole. I know. Yeah, it's pretty rare, so... It was just, like, well-timed out. I liked it. But a lot of people were complaining about it being last. And, you know, the pay-per-view was too long. I'll, I'll say that. But, mm-hmm. man, did the audience really just ruin that match. Oh, in yeah. a way. And I don't know if it was because they were bored. That's a hard one for me to gauge. To me, they were just idiots. I mean, Wrestling <laughs> it Inc. Was, it was really annoying. <laughs> Wrestling Inc. got some people's first-hand views that were there. And they were like, we were just try- trying to have fun. You know, we weren't trying to hijack the match. I understand that. And they, and they were also giving, you know, insights into other reactions during other matches during the night. Like, you know, the, the crowd was very confused, apparently, live in person during the whole Nakamura Randy Orton thing. They're like, what the heck? Why is Randy Orton here? And all this <laughs> other stuff. I don't know. That was... I liked seeing that, but I can understand how they, they were, like, confused and thought it came out of left field, you know? Yeah, well, they, I mean, they followed it up on SmackDown, and Randy, with that disturbing thing where he was pulling on Jeff Hardy's hole in his ear, Ugh. where he's got the... You know, it was funny, because I, I noticed Hardy taking it out before the match, and I thought to myself, I've never seen him take it out before. But then I didn't think anything of it until Randy Orton had his finger in it and it was yanking on Well, that's it. even more apparent that, like, it was plain. Yeah, Because he doesn't ever take them yeah, out. Yeah, I didn't think so. so no, that's weird. But obviously, uh, I guess it's going back to the whole thing uh, the night Jeff Hardy went over to SmackDown and bypassed Randy Orton. So, could be a good feud there. Uh, I was glad to see Nakamura get the title. You know, how, Me too. However he got it. I don't care. And it kind of, kind of by the heel tactics was kind of... The way to do it. So let's talk about the low blow for a second. <clears throat> people seem to be torn on this. Some people are like, it's too much. They're overdoing it. Other people are like, it's hilarious. Like Gus from ESPN <laughs> NOLA, who uh, I just was on his show this week. Mm-hmm. He was, he's like, I love the low blows. I want to see more of them. <laughs> I was like, are you crazy? It's too many. So we're kind of like on opposite sides there. But at the same time, they don't bother me that much either. I know that Nakamura is not the same Nakamura from New Japan for Wrestling. He's this, like, new hybrid version, different version, because it's a different audience, and there's a different team booking him. That's understandable. It is what it is. I kind of like this direction he's doing right now. I love his facial expressions. That hasn't changed, so um, he could do whatever, and I'd still like him. And I think he really could use the title right now. Yeah. Well, and the low blows, they seem to be going around. Ishii got one on Yano. Yeah, I like that, though. And it's all... 
very deceptive. I mean, I, I it's definitely a trend in wrestling right now, and it's all being executed pretty well, so I kind of yeah. like it. it. It amuses me. Uh, the other big news there was the, the Nia Jax, Alexa Bliss with Ronda Rousey. Uh, you thought Ronda, again, showed out pretty well. I did. In fact, I thought she was the best part of the match because otherwise I thought that the timing was a little off between everybody else, but when Ronda came in, well, boy, did the crowd pop, for one, so she was over as heck, and then, two, her performance, it was just great. She looks really good in the ring, and she keeps continuing to prove people wrong. You know, people doubted her from the very beginning, and I knew, for somehow I knew, I was like, she's an athlete, she's going to be fine, and she was fine, even in that Mania match. That's a huge, like, stage to be thrust into, and she did great, and she continues to do great in these really big positions they keep putting her in, like getting that title match against Nia a couple of weeks ago, that was a big step as well, but they kind of booked it perfectly, she handled it, and she looked great in that match, and I expect her looking great in her match against Alexa as well. I'm looking forward to that, actually. So we go from that pay-per-view to Impact having a big pay-per-view anniversary this weekend. And once again, Rafael Esparza has some betting odds for us. He uh, comes up with betting odds, and the, the ones that are non-WWE, we get to release first. And a uh, reminder that he works at DocSports and MyBookie.ag. And if you want to open up an account, you just need to text the word WRESTLING to 29022 and get your free $60 account. And Raphael has odds now for Slammiversary, and uh, this is going to be, it seems like on paper, Kelsey, a really good pay-per-view for Impact. Um, Really some headline matches in this. Yeah, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it. I saw a poll on Twitter that asked, is Slammiversary worth buying or not? And it seemed like more people were saying no. But it was the very beginning of the poll, so we'll have to see as more hours pass towards the pay-per-view well, that does refer to one of my sending them homes early on that the, their pay-per-views are too pricey. If they really want yeah. to get more eyeballs, the, the pay-per-view should really be about $25 rather than what they're charging. But regardless, I think it is a strong card for them. But I could see why people don't want to pay it, especially on the heels of a WWE pay-per-view as well. Yeah, but you don't have to pay for a WWE pay-per-view separately yeah. anymore. So I don't think that really matters. I just think that less and less people are buying individual right, right. Individual pay-per-views. But, I mean, mindset-wise, I just I just watched a pay-per-view. I'm not going to pay whatever this is, 40 bucks. I think it's more people have the mindset, oh, I just watched a pay-per-view on WWE. Am I going to pay this huge chunk of money for another pay-per-view? So I think that's something they're going to run into, but... Regardless, we think it's a strong card, and we'll be watching it. I think the match you and I are both obviously most interested in is two of our favorite wrestlers in the division. Yeah. Pentagon versus Sammy Callahan. I can't wait for this match. As I said last week, that interview, that teleconference interview he gave was awesome, Mm -hmm. where he's just talking about how he could do whatever he wants. He's the draw. And just, I love the way he talks. He's such a believable guy and that's what he said at the beginning of the teleconference i'm not playing a character this Mm -hmm. is me i love that i don't know everything he does i feel like is gold right now i feel like he is the star of impact wrestling and this is the match i'm most excited for and i love the stipulation hair versus mask and i love pentagon so it's like every little aspect of this match excites me and i'm looking forward to and Raphael has sammy callahan as a decided favorite at at minus 300 Pentagon Jr. at plus 260. 
And the other odds that he's got that kind of surprised me when I first looked at him, he's got Matt Seidel as a massive favorite over Brian Cage. I think a lot of people think Brian Cage is going to win this, which could end up, if they are the betting types, this could be what's called a sucker bet because so many people think, oh, that odds can't be right. Money goes to Brian Cage, and then Matt Seidel ends up retaining the belt. So, yeah. But on paper, the, we're both impressed by Brian Cage, but is he ready for a title belt yet? Oh, yeah. He's one of the best athletes that they have, and I love how he's kind of very versatile. Like He could be ground and pound because obviously look the way he looks. He's like a machine, mm-hmm. <laughs> hence his whole gimmick kind of. But then he could do this crazy high-flying stuff that it seems like somebody of his size couldn't be able to do. But he can do it, and that's what's really impressive. And I think this is like a sleeper match in that it's going to be more exciting than people are giving it credit for. I love Matt Seidel, obviously formerly Evan Bourne. He's one of the best high-flyers ever. It's a shame he can't work in New Japan anymore because of that whole crazy marijuana thing. But it's nice to see him at least be able to work somewhere. And I think him and Brian Cage, there are going to be some crazy spots in it. Especially because Cage can take flight too. It's going to be weird. It's going to be crazy. I'm looking forward to it. The Impact World Championship, Austin Aries versus Moose. A lot of good buildup to this one so far. Uh, Austin Aries questioning that this is Moose's second passion. He failed at his first. Well, wrestling has always been his first passion. Uh, what do you expect? Can Moose beat Austin Aries? I don't think so. I don't. And know. I don't think it will be the right move at all. No. I think they should keep it <clears throat> on Aries, but I think this is great for Moose to become like more of a threat, more of a serious guy on the roster because they can't just rely on Aries to be the top guy. Because really, who's who's really in contention besides Moose? I mean, there's a few people, like, Brian Cage could get to that point. Like, if he wins the belt this mm-hmm. this week, I feel like Brian Cage could eventually step up, too, and be somebody who could go against Aries. But right now, this is great for Moose, I think. If he has a good showing with Aries, it'll do wonders for him and how people see him. So, yeah. So, Austin Aries versus Moose. Not a Moose, but the wrestler Moose. You'll get that reference as you listen to his teleconference this week. And I also had a chance to ask him about bridging the gap between wrestling promotions. A man called Moose, Ross. It's a man called Moose because there's been some confusion. I had Peter calling me in the Humane League, and they were afraid I was actually going to beat up an actual Moose on Sunday. And so, I, and I, plus, I didn't want any viewers, uh, you know, to feel like we're doing some kind of bait and switch. And they tune in, they think I'm going to be wrestling an actual live Moose. Then all of a sudden. The man called Moose comes out and they're disappointed and they feel like they want their money back. Uh, no, uh, listen, I- I'm excited for this matchup coming up. Uh, you know, Moose, uh, in his mind, feels like he's ready, feels like he's worked his whole life for this. Uh, I disagree. And I think this is going to be a good learning experience for a man called Moose uh, to see just how close or how far away he is to actually being the man or Mr. Impact Wrestling, as he likes to call himself, or the world champion. Hello, Austin. This is Aaron Barbel from Wrestling Inc. How are you doing today? Hello, Aaron. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, great to hear. You are one of the uh, great success stories of people who have left WWE and found a lot of success elsewhere. Who else do you think is, that is still over there on that roster do you think would be a good fit for Impact Wrestling? Uh, I mean, listen, uh, you know, there's there's a number of, uh, I'm sure, men and women over there who 
feel they're in a position or maybe they've been spinning their wheels or not maybe getting the opportunities that they feel they've earned um, that, that are immensely talented. I, you know, and I'm not going to name names, but, you know, I think that anyone in that position um, who wants to bet on themselves, you know, Impact Wrestling provides at least a platform that's not going to tie you down and lock you in but give you the opportunity to actually go and improve that uh, and then go and do that also uh, independently across the world. And so, you know, it's a unique opportunity. And, um, you know, listen, there's, there's a lot. There's a, they have a huge roster, and there's a lot of talent on there. That There's only so many spots and so many hours of, of television. So, um, you know, I'm sure that there's people who feel like maybe they're, they're left out or not getting the, the, sh- the shots they want. And, uh, you know, if they find themselves free and clear, uh, it's cool that there's a nice, vibrant professional landscape right now uh, for, for people to go out and, and pl- apply their craft. Hi, this is Paul Boron from Two-Faced Wrestling. I wanted to ask you about kind of the crossover between various promotions are are getting into the ring with each other and maybe bridging the gap between Impact and Ring of Honor and things like that. What what your thought process is with that and why it's important for wrestling? I just think, you know, technology changes the medium. Uh, You know, and technology's kind of changed wrestling. There's been all these different... um, time periods, you know, when I, when I first broke in, we were still trying to, you know, sell VHS tapes and that went to DVDs, you know, now that went to iPay-per-views. Now you're going to streaming services. Uh, with all those changes in technology, you have to kind of re, you know, re-examine the way you do business, uh, you know, with talent and then, you know, promotion and promotion. And I think right now you're seeing the value that there's this really strong and vibrant pro wrestling scene outside of the, the WWE bubble that can support guys going and traveling and living out their dreams and having great careers and fans showing up, you know, at arenas all over the world to support that. And then also fans from all over the world be able to watch it because of all these platforms that are now available. So you're seeing value in companies working together and creating unique and exciting ideas and opportunities and matchups and storylines that maybe historically we wouldn't have thought were possible. And, uh, and I think that's cool. And, and it's given some power back to the, to the, uh, the talent. Uh, a little bit, and, and even the playing field as far as the more places there are to, to go make good money and, and work, uh, the better it is for everybody involved. And uh, that's kind of the case right now, and it's beautiful. Speaking of bridging the gap between promotions, New Japan's Ishimori is wrestling on this pay-per-view, and it kind of makes sense in a way because he was with TNA before, so why not be there again? It's just really impressive how promotions seem to be working together more so than ever before. I think a lot of it has to do with a few key people. Don Callis, I've said this in a past episode, he's a big part of this whole thing. Him and also I think Chris Jericho with the crews kind of bringing promotions together. That's another thing that is changing wrestling, I think. The crews having both Impact and Ring of Honor together and then Don Callis doing the commentary for New Japan, being on the executive board and in charge at Impact but also kind of having a lot of friends at Ring of Honor through that connection between New Japan and Ring of Honor. And going to be a part of all that. Exactly. So all this working together, it's crazy, but it's such a cool time to be a fan, to say the least. I'm really excited because it's stuff that you'd never think could happen in this day and age, but it's happening. Also, you heard in that interview, uh, our friends from Wrestling Inc. asked about WWE talent coming over to Impact. Also in that match is Rich Swan. Now, granted, he's coming over because of circumstances, but... He is in the match against uh, Johnny Impact, Swan, and Phoenix, and Ishimori. Um, and uh, Raphael's got Johnny Impact as the favorite, or you could bet the field at plus 160 in that one. Uh, the other B 
big match. There's a couple other matches to get to, but the other big match, the House of Hardcore Rules, Tommy Dreamer, Eddie Edwards, they have done a good job of building up, even though some of the video segments have been cheesy. Uh, They're <laughs> at least building up this feud, and I'm expecting a nice, physical, brutal fight. I'm expecting something, you know, at least decent. I think both are great performers, and Tommy Dreamer never fails to deliver, so I think it'll be entertaining. You really definitely hit the nail on the head. Some of the video packages have been corny, but they're so corny that you like them. Like, remember the ones with all the ones with Sammy Callahan and mm-hmm. Eddie? Oh, those are some of the best ones. The skull, <laughs> the cow skull, just bashing them in. Ah, I like that stuff. I don't know. Sometimes it's fun to have some campy things happen. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And another, don't forget, the M- the Impact Knockouts Championship. That's between Sue Young and Madison Rain. Obviously, I think Sue Young's going to retain. And Raphael's got Sue Young listed as a big favorite in that at minus 200. And I think she should be. Yeah. I think she's going to win. Yeah. I, I, think, wrong, but... I think Madison Rain's the sentimental favorite, and some people might think she'll get the win. But I think uh, Sue Young probably does retain there. But we'll see what happens. So a lot of great wrestling between... Well, over the last eight days, if you count Extreme Rules, a Ring of Honor pay-per-view Friday, an Impact pay-per-view Sunday, and the first four or five days of the G1, it's been a it's been a packed week of wrestling. Yep, and it's only going to get more and more crazy as the month goes on. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, I think we need some sort of uh, Star Trek technology to to help us absorb all of this. Yeah, like Data, who's like an android, he could just look at a computer screen and make it go faster and faster. That's what we need to do when we're watching wrestling. Increase speed. Increase speed. And then we could watch all kinds of everything. I could finally start watching Lucha Underground <laughs> and progress. Yeah, and more NXT and all. But we'll actually be talking about Star Trek The Next Generation and wrestling combined in our next segment, Pop and Wrestling Connection. How does it all connect? Well, you'll have to find out when we come back. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. And now, it's time for my favorite segment, the Pop and Wrestling Connection. Now, this segment mixes pop culture with wrestling. Some of the best segments we've done in the past included Die Hard, Home Alone, Boy Meets World, and now one of my favorite shows of all time, Star Trek The Next Generation. It's my favorite version of Star Trek. I am a nerd. I'll admit it. I really like nerdy stuff sometimes, but Star Trek is just, it's a classic. It doesn't, to me, it still holds up. It doesn't get old for me. I really like it, and I pose this question to my followers on Twitter. Okay, here's the scenario. You are Captain Picard. You can choose any wrestlers to be on your crew to be aboard the Enterprise. Who do you choose and why? We got so many creative answers, and every week we read, you know, some of our favorites. So here we go. I'm going to start right in with some of people's great answers. All right, so Chang, at Chang Sucks on Twitter, he says, Cesaro, he's really strong and super calm, and at least I wouldn't be the only bald dude on the bridge. (laughs) 
Because, <laughs> you know, Picard, the captain <laughs> in Star Trek, is bald. So I love this comment. Totally funny and clever. Great job there. Uh, DW at DVE Wish uh, says, Ming, literally just Ming. You won't need anyone else as a security officer. He'd look pretty great in that yellow security <laughs> uniform. The Borg wouldn't be able to assimilate him because he's got too hard of a head for their electronics to fuse with him anyway. <laughs> That's an amazing answer. <laughs> totally, I could see that being like a truthful, perfect addition to the Enterprise. He could really be a benefit and protect the crew for sure. And of course, he means Haku, who's actually was just involved with the G1 US special mm -hmm. with his two sons, Tongaloa and Tamatonga. So that was kind of cool. We got to see him back in action for a little while, and he looked great in the ring. Okay, and then our good friend, good guy Dave Pazeski, he says, I'm going to assume that the Enterprise has come across some sort of time-space anomaly that is pulling wrestlers from any era and promotion, and potentially even replacing members of the, the crew. First, of course, would be Triple H. He'd be promoted to be a commander because of his experience with running a major company. And he can also protect those around him in a fight. He'd, of course, answer directly to Worf. Next would be Sting, who could be pulled from multiple different eras because he could protect the crew with his bat if needed to. <laughs> Lastly would be Rob Van Dam because of his athletic skill. He'd be amazing in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and he would be great on a security team. See, RVD's one of my favorite wrestlers, so this is a perfect choice. He's so flexible, he could just like do a split and duck when people are trying to use the phaser against him. Pew! Splits. They don't get him. Plus he'd be all calm. He would. He doesn't doesn't matter who's going coming to attack him. The Borg are walking right towards him, stays calm, and the, the Borg just walk right past him. Because that's what happens. If you don't move, the Borg just ignore you. Right. Until you're a threat. They won't think he's a threat, he's too calm. They don't have drug tests on the Enterprise, do they? No, they don't. Okay, so he's You he's, can do whatever you he's want. He's good to go. It's like the twenty fourth century. You can do whatever. <laughs> Next one's from Jason Span at Jason underscore span. Dusty Rhodes. He's one of the greatest talkers. He helps with security, but also negotiations. Tanahashi, his mindset of positivity fits well in the Starfleet. Lastly, Dory Funk Sr. With the rigors and unpredictability of space, you need the man who wrestled a three-hour Texas death match. Perfect answer. <laughs> so well explained. I think my favorite part is the nice Dusty Rhodes uh, addition to the crew. I really love him. It's a sentimental choice, and he'd be great. You know, just calming down situations verbally. Awesome choice. Now we go to Jeff Manning at JMELZ1323. I'm captain, and I want Commander Chris Jericho at my side. He's organized. He makes lists. He's underrated, defeated The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin in the same night. And he's got longevity. Kofi Kingston as chief engineer, Roman Reigns as lieutenant, Dolph Ziggler as lieutenant commander, and Naomi as the doctor. Next up is PC Hassler at P-C-H-N-I-L-B-O-G. Uh, Nido is my second. I don't know if you can trust Nido. <laughs> Team Pog are my security. Cody, Brandy, and Bernard, the business bear just because. And Sammy Callahan. I, I'd be afraid to be on a crew with Sammy Callahan. I think Sammy's a little reckless. He may take out some of the crew. He's like, let's go in space. Let's go further. We don't need to get back to Earth. Just freaking out, losing his mind. He, waving his bat he'd throw, in Picard's face. He'd throw everybody off the ship because he th he wouldn't think he needs anybody. Exactly. <laughs> Sean Dunn at Sean Dunn said, Dean Ambrose is at the helm for sure, a rogue pilot. Lance Storm is Spock, 
Although this is the wrong Star Trek, I'm going to let it go because it's perfect. It's very accurate. I can see Lance Storm yes, as Spock. Yes, I totally could. It's perfect. <laughs> Renee Young on uh, on comms. Tommy Dreamer in engineering. Rhino, Edge, and Christian as security. <laughs> this would be an awesome show. Super Star Trek. And speaking of the name of this you know, make-believe wrestling Star Trek show, our good friends, View from the Top Rope, Check out their podcast. They're at View from Top Rope. They said it would be called Star Trek Seven: The Search for Spots, <laughs> <laughs> like wrestling spots. Very creative there. Uh, at the real right, at the real Mike Neon, I'd have Kyrie Sane as my pilot and navigator <laughs> for sure. Dozovich and Tucky running my uh, kitchen and mess. Becky Lynch and engineering that steampunk gimmick. <laughs> Kenny Omega is my number one. Shinsuke Nakamura is my science officer and also in charge of uh, low blows. Uh, Alexa Bliss on comms. Rusev as my security. And, and Regal is my medical officer. That's a perfect medical officer. Yeah, William Regal getting a little love. like that. All right, now this one is extensive, but it's worth it. Okay. And I, I guest started on their podcast a few weeks ago. This is Big Nerdy Questions at BNQ Podcast. That's the letters BNQ. And... It was so much fun. We talked about our dream Ring of Honor and New Japan versus WWE dream cards, essentially. And that was so much fun. So check that out on their podcast. But he says, Since the Borg can block phaser blasts with constant adaption of their personal shield harmonics, Captain Jean-Luc Picard has decided that a more tangible approach is required. He needs a group of new crewmen who could fight the Borg in hand-to-hand -hand combat, but also could conform to the high character and intelligence requirements of Starfleet. Captain Picard has some ploy with Q after he recently rescued Q from a particularly sticky situation involving changing the entire population of Ryza into salamanders. So he asked Q to bring him four people from Earth's past to help him better defend the Enterprise. For his first recruit, Captain Picard has found a man who has shown his physical and mental prowess over and over again. This man was once the head of one of the largest wrestling companies on Earth, but he also once stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with Muhammad Ali. He's an experienced politician, businessman, mixed martial artist, and wrestler. The first new recruit is Lieutenant Commander Antonio Inoki. For his second choice, Captain Picard looked through the annals of wrestling for a man known more for his smarts and acumen than for his physical strength. But who still could defend the Enterprise when asked? He found a story of a wrestler who some considered the most savvy of all time in terms of promotion and marketing. But this wrestler also fought Bill Goldberg, a Borg-like man if ever one existed on Earth. He must join the Enterprise. Captain Picard welcomes Lieutenant Commander Chris Jericho. He offers him a cup of tea, Earl Grey, hot, and tells him to drink it in, man. <laughs> I really love that. All right, take a breather, Kelsey. I'll pick this up. Next, Captain Picard wanted a man whose loyalty and smarts were matched only by his tenacity and willingness to protect his friends. He looked through the history books and found a man known simply as the Enforcer. He sounded perfect for the role, and further investigation confirmed that Arn Anderson was indeed a man who could scare off most foes with just his steely stare and quiet fury in his words. Welcome aboard, Lieutenant Commander Anderson. And finally, Captain Picard wanted a commander to oversee these new recruits. He wanted a man who was known as a leader of his fellow men, a man who would accord no foolishness and would ensure that everyone stayed focused on protecting the ship. He found his ideal candidate in a mysterious figure, from the ancient WWE, Pat, Captain Picard wasn't interested in the show persona that his man portrayed, but rather his professional ethics and sense of responsibility. 
History knew him as the Undertaker, but Captain Picard welcomed Commander Mark Calloway to his crew. Expect except that one person tagged along as Q was snipping Commander Calloway to the 24th century. One of his locker room comrades saw what was happening and couldn't resist tagging along for the adventure. Captain Picard stared incredulously at this unexpected addition to his crew. Q said, nobody's perfect, besides I'm sure you'll get to like her. Captain Picard says anyone who, who wears those glasses on her head might not be Starfleet material. The new recruit walks up to him, offers her hand, says, I'm Becky Lynch. You can call me the superstar in the stars. So well thought out. That's my favorite answer, of course. He's got to win the gold star <laughs> for best answer. But also check out View from the Top Rope, episode 52.2. They've got great answers, too, including saying that one of their number twos would be, or number one, actually, like William Riker, it would be Adam Cole. And Adam Cole would betray Picard, and Picard would say, Cole! <laughs> like Colin. So perfect. Perfect answer. Check out their podcast for more of their answer because it was really great. Well, I guess it's time for me to interject. And much like Die Hard, I like to pick people that would actually fit the same personas. Mm -hmm. So for Worf, I'm going for Braun Strowman. Big, <laughs> tough, can be funny. Uh, for Data, I'm going to go with uh, Xavier Woods, kind of a nerdy but really smart guy. Yeah. Um, I think my, uh, Deanna Troy character would be, uh, Becky Lynch because she seems to be so emotional and in touch with her emotions. And my number one would be, this was the hardest one. I don't know if I could pick somebody who is loyal, but also keeps the commander in check. Hmm. I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, like Sami Zayn, I guess. That'd be perfect. Yeah, he's so loyal. He yeah. could work perfectly. That's yeah. a great choice. And yet he might he might be a little conniving, and he's got a beard, so. So it all works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> perfect. Perfect answers. Mine are all over the place and so weird. So just hang with me here. I think my most accurate choices were for the doctor, like Dr. Crusher's role, DDP. Because he'll be preaching DDP yoga to the whole crew. How you feeling, bro? How you feeling, bro? Let's do some yoga. Hulk it out. <laughs> so he'll be doing that. The crew will be feeling nice and relaxed, in shape, and refreshed because of DDP yoga. So I like that pick the best of mine. Then uh, Jordy. I think I'm going to go with David Starr. Somebody who I think is intelligent, a great talker, creative, because he works on his own logos and stuff, and really just has a great entrance kind of spiel so i think that he could bring all that creativity to geordie so that's who my geordie is and then this is kind of weird this is where it gets weird here Worf would be colt cabana why i don't know i just could feel i could see some funny interactions happening like Worf is very serious but he's got some comedic elements to him in fact when i go back and rewatch, sometimes it's like He's the funniest character. Just with his, like, one lines. Colt could be that guy on the crew, make everybody laugh, but on purpose, instead of on accident like Worf. So a little bit in the same vein, but opposite in a way. Well, that's Worf. why I like my Braun pick. Well, I know, but I couldn't think of anyone <laughs> no, who matched Braun. I know, I know. I'm just saying. That's, that's why Braun that was, was my perfect. best pick. It was. It, it really was. <laughs> 
for um data this is also weird caprice coleman a good talker very smart i feel like he could get out of any situation and i feel like he could come up with the answers even if they are not true if they're just like bull i feel like he could do it i just i have a soft spot for him because he's so much fun to talk to i think he'd be great to have on my crew if i was picard so then we go to the role of counselor deanna troy i would pick chucky e. t why because he'd make everyone laugh feel comfortable he would just feel out the other crew. It doesn't matter what they're even feeling. He'll just make them laugh and forget why they're mad at the Enterprise. But is he in touch with his emotions? Not really. Okay. <laughs> but but it doesn't matter. He's going to make everyone's emotions just turn into laughter uh, okay. and fun. Okay, I gotcha. See, it works. And I think the funnest pick I did was, for number one, William Riker's role, EC3. Because you need the top 1% oh. to be your number one. And I think it works perfectly in name, Picard thinks he's making the right choice. This guy is so smart. He's the top 1%. He's going to do great things for the Enterprise. Lo and behold, much like my boys view from the top rope speculated when Adam Cole was their Captain Picard's number one and he betrayed them, EC3 is going to betray Picard. He's going to leave him on a planet. Ha ha, the, the Enterprise is mine. You know, he's greedy. He wants everything to himself. He thinks he's the best. He would never be able to serve under somebody else. So Picard or myself, I'm doomed because of my first officer. But it would be a great story for television, I think. So good stuff there. Uh, I still I still think uh, Marbron is the best pick. It is a great pick, <laughs> i got to say, and nobody else picked it. I know, which so. I'm shocked. I figured that was going to be an easy one. So that's <laughs> always fun. If you guys follow us on Twitter, you'll be able to send in your answers for the next Poppin' Wrestling segment. So it'll be fun, and you get to interact too. And you get to interact with us in the next segment as well. It's our question-answer segment, Ask Two-Faced. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com, where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which you can find on webtoons.com. Just search for The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, and you can read it for free. Thanks, Eric. We really love your logo. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. Now it's time for our Q&A segment. This is one of my favorite segments because we get to interact with you guys one-on-one, and we get a lot of great questions that are very thought-provoking and some that are just fun to answer whether or not they're thought-provoking. Sometimes it's just, what are your favorite this or what's your favorite that? Other times it's like, what would you think about this particular event? So let's get right to it. It's called Ask Two-Faced. So our first two questions come from underscore death is my life. Did the gorillas of destiny just establish themselves as the greatest faction in wrestling today? I mean, I don't know. I think they've done a great job coming off like real threats and the G1, all the antics in the G1, I think really says a lot at how New Japan's trying to book them prominently and make them look great and make them look dominant too. Yeah, I like Tom and Tonga a lot. I told you when this happened, though, I would have liked to have seen one more member of the Bullet Club go along to make it a more dominant fa- or bigger faction. But it doesn't make sense. I mean, Fale's there. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense if, like, you have someone prominent like Marty Skrull go. Why would he go? He's bonded with the other members so much. Huh? Somebody that was tired of, of, of Kenny Omega or something. I don't—I just—Bullet Club is so big, I was kind of hoping— It's not that big. 
It's not like WCW, NWO big. It's not. Somebody counted and said there's like 24 members well, at yeah. one point for that and Wolfpack together. Yeah, this I, is there like, was. It this was is ridiculous. not anywhere near that. It's like half that. Which less is than still half. a lot. No. <laughs> yes. But New Japan is made up of factions. I don't agree with you here. Yes, You're wrong. I know. Okay. I don't agree. Okay. Okay. But we can agree on we both love Tamatonga, and he's coming off really awesome lately in his whole challenging the established Bullet Club. I like that. Still think it'd be better with another member. All right. We can agree <laughs> to disagree. So his second question is, would you be excited to see a Tamatonga versus Roman Reigns match? This is because a lot of people think that they're kind of similar. Well, we made that And comparison. we've talked about that in the past. Although I would rather see Tama Tonga against Seth Rollins if we're gonna if we're gonna pick guys from the Shield, uh, I think Seth Rollins and Tama Tonga would be an outstanding match. But I'd be all right seeing Tama Tonga versus Roman Reigns. I have to agree with you. I would love to see him versus Rollins. In fact, it's kind of funny this whole question and you bringing up Rollins. Tama Tonga once tweeted or retweeted somebody saying that Tama Tonga looks like the child of Rollins and Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah, I've said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he actually retweeted it so he was having fun with the whole thing tamatonga yeah, yeah. that was awesome and it always makes me laugh when i think of the three of them like compared together but the reason why i think people compare reigns and tama is because me personally the, the reason i made the comparison is tamatonga almost comes off like the version of reigns like they want him to be portrayed like Reigns done right, a cooler, more effortless Reigns. Mm -hmm. Like the way he walks, just effortless. But he still seems like a legit threat. Like really hardcore and menacing. I like that about him, but he's got a coolness. And Roman Reigns kind of strives to be like that. They kind of push his character to be like that. But he's not like that as easily and as flawlessly and just, it, it's not the same. No, that's why I think Seth Rollins would be the better match because they both kind of exude a little bit of cool. And, yeah. Uh, I just dawned on me, I was like, uh, what is that segment on TV? And it just, Conan O'Brien used to have a thing called If They Made It. Yeah. And it would be Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, and they would become Toma Tonga. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <So>. It would be perfect. <laughs> uh, next question is from uh, at Canvas Countdown. Will AJ Lee return for next year's Mixed Match Challenge and team up with AJ Styles? And if so, what would their name be? Uh, I think there's a better chance of pigs flying. Yeah, there's no way, after everything that happened between AJ Lee's husband, a.k.a. CM Punk, and the WWE, especially with that court battle that just ended, there's no way she'd be going back to the WWE. But, in a fantasy world, if they team together, AJ squared. Yeah? Yeah. Or it could be uh, AJ AJ. I like that. That's actually more catchy than AJ squared. Um, that's about all I got for names, sir. You only had one, too. Our next one is from Chris at Uchia Taibino. Hey guys, love the show. Who are your top five wrestlers of all time? Oh, this is hard. hard. Yes. Jinx, it's hard. <laughs> it's really difficult. Well, we live in a, in a time where everybody thinks what's going on right now is the greatest. Yeah. So it's hard not to catch yourself doing that. So we'll, we'll see what your top five are, but I bet a lot of them are going to be people that are active <laughs> they are and i was trying for it not to be because i was like oh yes i'm a newer fan for those of you guys who are not familiar with our show i've said this before in the past i've only liked wrestling since like 2013 and it's because as a child i didn't know anything about it in my household it wasn't shown it wasn't like it was against 
like our household to show it we just I didn't know it existed my parents weren't into it so there was no way for me to know about it so yeah I'm a newer fan but I've gone back and watched a lot of older stuff because as soon as the network came out I jumped on that I was like whoa because it was perfect timing just started to get into it WrestleMania 30 was coming to our hometown of New Orleans and the network came out all around the same time so the perfect storm for me to really get into wrestling at the perfect time so I have seen a lot of older stuff but having said that a lot of my picks are newer people because there's just so many good new people right now. So here we go. I'm going to start off, my number one, really, I've said this since I started liking wrestling, Kurt Angle. And I feel like this is almost like a, a Beatles versus Stones question because people usually either have Angle or Shawn Michaels mm -hmm. on their list. And me, I'm not really a Shawn Michaels person. I'm more of a Kurt Angle person. Both really technically great in the ring. Both have completely different personas. I feel like Angle has a great character and charisma, but he's really great at wrestling. Like, wrestling. You know, what you think of when you think of a wrestler. Just like the nitty-gritty wrestling, whereas Shawn Michaels more of like the showstopper. Literally. And really more of a showman. Because that's what he was always doing. Being flashy, and he's better at that. But I choose Angle. He's my number one. Then, very close behind Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And one of the greatest days ever, ever, was when I got to meet him. That was awesome. At WrestleCon this past year. Amazing. Will Ospreay, because I think there's no better high flyer. A lot of people say that high flying stuff's not wrestling. I disagree. I think wrestling could be anything you want it to be. Wrestling is an art. And then Chris Jericho. He has reinvented himself time and time again. You can't leave him off the list because, no pun intended, he's so good at character work because one second you think there's no way he could redefine himself again there's no way and then he does like going to new japan being something completely different way more brutal way more toxic and mean seeming and just raw and he did it successfully and then his last run in wwe was really creative too with the whole list thing and then finally of course i have to say my favorites my boys the young bucks much to your chagrin but let me say this i'm leaving off some of my favorites like stone cold rvd some people that i hated to leave off but it's really hard to pick just five if, you, if this is the first time you've listened to our podcast get used to hearing the two words young bucks because you're going to hear them quite a bit whatever <laughs> it is true it's um, true my top five, I uh, again, I kind of got caught in the trap of I'm in love with some of the talent that is going on right now. Uh, I'm going to combine, I think, kind of the best of both worlds when we talked about high-flying and physical. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, he's the consensus best in the world, and it's Kenny Omega. I think Kenny Omega would probably top my list. Will Ospreay slots in second for me just because... He does. He's not the complete package like Omega is yet. He's close, and he brings something different every night. So Osprey's my number two, Suzuki number three, just because of the physicality, but also just the facial expressions in the ring, the sociopathic like behavior. <laughs> yes, uh, he's just tremendous. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin always going to be one of my favorites. It, it's the most entertaining time. Him and Vince and. One of the best storylines of all time. Him and The Rock, him and Triple H. I mean, it just goes on and on. It was so good. He was so good. Um, and then I'm I'm going to go a little farther back uh, to probably the first wrestler I really, really liked. Like, 
I was super excited to see all the time, and that's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's a great pick, and he, he's a great wrestler. He was a great wrestler, and by all accounts, a really good guy, too. So, yeah, so, you never hear anybody say anything bad no, about him, even today. No. So After all these years, nothing negative has come out. Those really. are top five, but that's that's going back in the archives for me, because Ricky Steamboat, I always was excited when he would come on. That's a great list. I really love your <clears> list. And let's like add a little footnote. Unlike me, who's a newer fan, you're a lifelong fan, essentially. Like, you know, not since you were little, little, but basically, like, a, a young teenager. No, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I really kind of got into wrestling uh, when MTV used to show music videos. I know that's a foreign concept to most most now, but, uh, and there was a whole rock and wrestling connection, which is kind of where our second segment came from, the pop and wrestling connection. Yeah. Um, and Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter and Captain Lou Albano and that kind of piqued my interest into wrestling a little bit. Of course, Hulk Hogan starting to really get huge at that time. Hulk Hogan was in the Rocky movie. You know, all that kind of started generating my interest. And you know, look, Macho Man and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat were two guys I immediately gravitated towards. So that's uh, that's my background. It was very hard to pick like i said before i also didn't mention that i left off omega like you included him as your number one he's one of my favorites ever but i felt weird putting him on the list over some people like kurt angle who i really like discovered first obviously before omega um who's part of the reason why i really fell in love with wrestling people like angle and stone cold and stuff like that so yeah not only did i leave off omega and i also left off styles aj styles i love him so it's hard I left off a few greats, as did you, but a great question, very difficult. There's so many great wrestlers throughout history. <laughs> you could ask us again in three weeks, and we might have a different answer. It's true. I think somebody probably asked us <laughs> ten episodes ago, and I probably said different things. <laughs> but I said Angle is my number one, I bet. Our next question comes from our great friend Darth Vapor at Metal underscore 2006. Do you think Deathmatch Wrestling should make a comeback in America or stay in Japan? Outside of CZW, of course. Here's my thing on, on those types of matches. Look, I watched a lot of brutal ECW matches, and I liked it, but the death matches are just another level that, for me, doesn't interest me. That doesn't mean I don't think they should happen. You know, if the wrestlers want to participate in it, and if there's an audience for it, um, I'm okay with it. So I, I think there will be a segment of the population. Of course, it's never going to be on mainstream television <laughs> in any way. But uh, sure, I, I think there's there's a chance it could it could take off again in America. Yeah, I'm not really, no pun intended, dying to see <laughs> it come back. I I don't know. I've never really been that into death matches. It's just not my thing. Now we'll say I'm not gonna go and say that it's not wrestling because no. I think anything could be wrestling. Like I said a little bit ago, wrestling's really an art, and you can express it any way you want. Just to me, it doesn't appeal. It's kind of hard to watch, as you said, and it's it can be cringeworthy. Yes. So that's why, I don't know. To me, I'm not dying to see it back, but I can understand people, especially with their love for ECW back in the day, wanting that style of wrestling to come back, especially if you really are into death matches like he is. He talks about the ones in Japan, like all the great matches between Vader and Cactus Jack. Even some that happened in Japan. That's pretty cool. Looking back, those are historic. Just, mm -hmm. just not my jam. Yep. Uh, next one's from uh, Good Guy Dave. Uh, talking about Kofi Kingston making a powerful statement about Hulk Hogan's return to the WWE. What are your thoughts on this? And do you think similar feelings are shared 
among WWE talent and the industry. Well, I think Kofi Kingston, who had released a statement, a tweet about how he and New Day felt, basically saying, like, we have no qualms, we're indifferent about him coming back and being inducted or re-inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's fine, you know, he is a historic figure in the business. However, we do not forget those who, you know, preach and say such hatred for our people, basically. That's what he was saying. And he said that people that look like him, that's like the word he used, people who look like us always deserve better, always have, you know, deserve better than all this hate. And what he said, he's going to focus his energy on basically bringing more entertainment, being the best he can be and the best New Day can be. And I think that was such a classy, awesome statement. I love that statement. I don't think it could have been said in any better of a way than the way he said it. And I kind of agree with them, like, you know... I don't know, I would have been okay with Hulk Hogan not being re-inducted back into the Hall of Fame, but he is such a legend in terms of just wrestling accomplishments. It's kind of hard to talk about wrestling and the popularity of wrestling in America without mentioning him, but I really don't condone his actions. And what people seem to be complaining about and upset about, and rightfully so, is that he doesn't seem sorry. He's more like saying, like, I didn't know I was being recorded, which is kind of a very uncool and una unapologetic statement, really. Uh, Titus O'Neil also had similar statements. I, I think, look, I think nobody is is jumping up and down and excited about him being back, per se, but I think they understand it and they know that, you know, uh, one of the reasons they're making a lot of money these days is because of what he did back in the 80s. So I think there's a little bit of forgiveness there, but I don't think anybody's going to forget anytime soon if they saw the rant how appalled they were by what he said. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, next one is from uh, Jason Spann, at Jason underscore Spann. Uh, book a pay-per-view with five matches that would get at least five stars for every match, wrestlers from any era and in their prime. This one was another difficult question. Much like our five top wrestlers, this is another five instead of ten, ten, ten. Mm -hmm. Five, five, five. Something about the number five. Um, it's hard, but uh, I... I think I came up with a pretty good card for this. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you you uh, put some serious thought into this. Okay, so my my card's a little weird. Like, there's some some things you might not have thought of right away. So I chose Samoa Joe against Big Van Vader because they're two great athletic big men. I think they would tear the house down. They've got great characters, great on the mic. It just would be awesome all around. You could really build to a a very physical match, maybe even with weapons involved. But just even imagine the entrance. Like, I love the way Joe comes down just so serious and kind of like it's a bare minimum entrance, but it's still scary-seeming, and he seems so, I don't know, perfect as a, a monster killer. And then you've got Vader, who would come in the complete opposite, very much like a big show with his big mask and the blew-out smoke. Totally the opposite of a minimal entrance. I just think it would be a great clash of two giants, literal giant big men. Then, two really great technical wrestlers, Kurt Angle versus Kenny Omega. We talked about them in my top wrestlers a little bit yeah, ago. My number one versus your number one. Yep. I think that'd be kind of fun. Obviously, they would have a five-star match really with no problem, especially with Kurt Angle and his prime. Then we've got, and I think this is a little unique. Now, yes, they have faced each other in apparently what was considered a shoot match 
in the beginning of MMA back in Pancrease, which Suzuki was kind of like a founding member of this. This was like kind of like the birthing of MMA and the startings of MMA. So I think Suzuki versus Shamrock. I think that'd be kind of interesting, but in a wrestling ring, in their prime, it would be a great match. I'd love to see that. Then, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Brian Pillman. Yes, they were the Hollywood Blondes, but imagine they did that for a lot longer. They extended that. They didn't make them break up. Then they had an organic breakup where they basically hated each other. They built it into an amazing storyline. Then I would have the climax, their meetup after their fallout against each other at my pay-per-view. I think it would tear the house down. And in their prime, before Austin got his neck hurt, before his knees were hurt, before Brian hurt his ankle, but still when he was in that character in his later years, like he would have the the loose cannon gimmick, but the athleticism of his early WCW days. So that mixed together, God, they would have an amazing match. And then I had to mention my favorites again. But on your recommendation, you're like, you should do a Bucks match. Well, I know, I know you and your list wouldn't be complete without the Young Bucks. Well, the Young Bucks versus the Dudleys, and yeah, come on. It's going to be like the best tag team match ever. And really, I know we're not supposed to go over five, but I always do this. My honorable mention, Will Ospreay versus Mr. Perfect. It hmm. sounds very strange on paper, but a clash of styles, both amazing in the ring. And, you know, Mr. Perfect, really, another guy who didn't have as long as a career as he should have because of injury. It would have been great to see him in his prime against one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Will Ospreay. It would be great. I know it. Well, I've got some uh, that include some from my list. How about Suzuki versus Stone Cold Steve Austin? Think of the physicality. Think of the defiance as Stone Cold gives the Stone Cold salute, or as Suzuki gets hit, laughs. They both have a propensity for using chairs. I think it would be an awesome match. Flipping awesome. (laughs) For sure. Uh, my tag team match, shockingly, I also, you know, you can't not have the Young Bucks. They are the best tag team in the world. Uh, how about them versus Edge and Christian in a, in a ladders match or something? That would be pretty awesome. Will Ospreay versus Rob Van Dam. I've, you've heard me say this one on the show before. You talk about the ultimate battle of high flyers. I wish that was my pick. I'm so <laughs> jealous you got to pick that on your card. It would be five stars, like, in their sleep. We may get this match sooner than later. Who knows? Kenny Omega versus AJ Styles. No, don't go to WWE. <laughs> I would love to see that match. And then finally, uh, a clash of two of the great, great wrestlers of their time. Two great guys on the mic. I think an amazing match would be Jay Lethal versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, heck yeah. And it's not just because he could perfectly impersonate Savage. Well, they, it's because they're two great wrestlers, yes. but the impersonation doesn't that hurt. That would add to it, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I love all your picks, almost more than mine, some of them, like the Osprey Rob Van Dam. Oh, that'd be amazing. I know. I'd pay so much money to see that. <laughs> all right, and here's a hard one. Here's a really difficult one. You don't have an answer because you haven't seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. I know. But my good friends... Let out your gasp of, of stunned... No, I've never seen it. I know. I, I get. I know what the premise is. I know that Dolph Ziggler looked like an Oompa Loompa the other night. So, <laughs> so I do know what it is. But so, why don't I ask the question and you can answer it? It's from uh, uh, our friends at View from the Top Rope. What wrestlers would you sub in the children from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and why? This is so difficult. Ugh. So 
if you guys need a refresher on the movie, there's all these kids going to the chocolate factory. Uh, they're getting a tour because they won the golden ticket, which allows them a whole tour from Willy Wonka himself of his factory. And it's a weird place, and they get into all kinds of trouble, and a lot of them just get wheeled off, and they could have died. We don't even know. There's one good one in the whole bunch, and that's Charlie. He ends up inheriting the chocolate factory, which we didn't know was on the line the whole time, but it was. It was all for Wonka to find his heir to for his factory, basically. So I love the movie, and man, this is a great question from View from the Top Rope. Very creative. My good friend Diesel works over there. BTF. So my answer, oh, it's difficult. I guess... Oh, this is hard. So for the child who always eats too much and basically falls into the chocolate river, I think I'm going to do Beer City Bruiser because he's so, you know, he likes beer so much, he's going to be drinking it. So you can replace the river with a river of beer. He'd be bending over to drink the beer and fall right in. Then the Oompa Loompas are talking about, you shouldn't be drinking that. And blah, well, this blah, blah. is now st starting to sound like the family guy spoof of. So you saw that? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Why well, was in the spoof? I think there was a river of beer. They got the really? they got the golden ticket to go to Pawtucket Pat's Brewery. Well, I didn't know about that. I swear, <laughs> I just came up with this on my own. Any any similarity to Family Guy is coincidence. Yes. I promise. So anyway, that's pretty funny. Um, I think that Charlie. Oh, I guess I'll save Charlie for last because that'll be the big surprise. Because I think I found a perfect Charlie, who we've already talked about a lot today. But uh, the guy, the little kid who's addicted to TV, uh, let's see, uh, hmm, I think The Miz, always talking about being an A-lister, I think it's perfect that The Miz would be, would be in the place of this kid, and he's so obsessed with becoming in the TV, on TV, that he gets shrunk, and Miz's mom, or maybe Maurice's mom, because she's in that show now, apparently, I just saw the preview for it but she puts him in his purse and walks away that's what happens in the movie they put the little kid in the purse because he's shrunk they walk away perfect i guess now this one's hard the girl the bratty girl veruca oh she's the most difficult one huh hmm. who's a bratty girl i'm thinking alexa bliss alexa bliss would be good <laughs> or carmella i'm there gonna go, go with carmella there you go so Carmella would work there. I want it, and I want it now. Yeah, that's... I feel like she's more whiny than Alexa is. <laughs> but I don't know. They're both pretty whiny. Yeah. And good at being heels. But uh, Veruca is the original heel <laughs> back in the day. So for this movie, perfect choice there. And I think that's all the kids besides Charlie. So Charlie, because of the fizzy lifting drink, I'm going with Will Ospreay. He drinks the fizzy lifting drink. He bumps in the ceiling that now has to be washed and sterilized. So he loses. He gets nothing. But actually, he wins, and he gets everything. Um, since he's so aerial, he'd be, like, drinking the fizzy lifting drinks and doing flips up into the ceiling. And at first, Willy Wonka's mad. But then Osprey's like, yo, I didn't eat your gobstopper. I'm giving it back to you. I'm not going to sell you out. To your boy, whoever that guy is, Worm, Wormsworth or whatever, Wormswood. Anyway, so Osprey inherits the, the chocolate factory. And I could just see him having all these like people work for him and just being a cool boss and a weird eccentric guy. Because he is eccentric. It would work perfectly. In fact, I think Takahashi would be recruited to be kind of like <laughs> one of his workers, like an Oompa Loompa. Since there's two peas in a pod, I think he'd want Takahashi at the chocolate factory. All right. Fun question. Thanks, guys. All right. We've got a couple of questions from the G1. They're both 
basically go together the right. same. Right. So let's just read them both together. Uh, first from Mags and Bags at Deej Kirkby. What are your best matches and best backstage promos of the G1 so far? And then Zach Ulrich, 13, he says favorite G1 match so far, so along the same lines. Man, it's hard to choose. What are you going with for your favorite match? So far, I mean, again, we're only, we we have only gotten through the first three nights. We haven't watched night four yet. Uh, for me, it's Jay White and Okada. I think everything about that match was great. The heel work was great. The use of everything outside was great. And uh, as I said earlier, I think Jay White's becoming a star before yeah. our eyes. And I think the anticipation on who would win was great. Because you really didn't know at some point. It's like, what, what? Very, I don't know, intense. Had me on the edge of my seat. I know that for sure. For sure. And so my favorite match would be Juice versus Tamatonga. I loved it. There were some little points in the match that just added to it. Little touches. Like, Tamatonga slams the gate, the iron gate closed really fast. And comes within like inches of getting Juice's hand. He pulls it away so fast, but it almost got it. And he even says, ooh, I was so close. <laughs> and it was just the way he said that. Just his heel tactics were on point. And I love Juice and how Juice has been giving great promos lately. So two guys who I really like right now who weren't really the top of the card a year ago, yeah. but are becoming like the Absolutely. top of the card now. Yeah. So they're rising stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I, I always knew they had it in them. This match is just kind of, I think, evidence of what's to come. These guys will be main eventing more doing bigger things, and getting more people's attention. Rightfully so, they're great at what they do. That was my favorite. But a close second, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Ibushi. And then backstage, uh, I'm going to go back to Jay White. I think Jay White's been great in those post-match interviews. So he, he'll he be my promo guy, and I know you, you liked Fale. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's this great promo. And since we like to keep it PG, I'm not going to say exactly what he said. But Deej Kirby knows what, what my promo was, my favorite promo, because I tweeted about it. It was Bad Luck Fale saying, F him, F him all, F Okada's pants. <laughs> well, and, and all the talk, speaking of Okada and the whole Scooby-Doo thing. <laughs> Forgot about <laughs> F that. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who said that? Was that I Jay think... White? Or was that Tamatonga? I can't remember who it was, but somebody Somebody said, F Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Sounds like Tamatonga. It does. <laughs> uh, next one is from Zachary Shiloh, and he asks, Do you trust WWE to book a proper AJ Styles Samoa Joe feud for the WWE title? Beyond Supercard and TakeOver for WrestleMania, will you guys attend any other shows in New York? And what do you think of Jay Lethal not being on Honor for All? Oh, and uh, finally, your thoughts on Gordon and Aldis. Gordon and Aldis, I honestly don't know who's going to take the victory. As we were speculating in the very beginning, I'm leaning towards Aldis retaining. I know a lot of people are saying, well, I think it'd be a great story if Flip Gordon upset him and won the belt. That'd be really interesting. So it's going to be a great match. Regardless of the outcome, I'm excited to see what happens. Jay Lethal not being on uh, Honor for All. Kind of a disappointment. Yeah, but, uh, big disappointment. But <laughs> I guess since we watch WWE and the, the the main title's not on the line at every pay per view, I guess it's it's not that unusual now. Not, We're used to it. Yeah, it's not that shocking. Uh, Supercard and Takeover, obviously. Uh, WrestleCon Super Show, if I can make it. Yeah. Hopefully the timing works out. Hopefully it's not too far away from the hotel that 
We'll be at... Um, well, and we probably can't go to Supercard and TakeOver. I picked Supercard easy. Yeah, obviously. I picked it the last two years, yeah. and I pick it again. Especially with the G1 influence this time around. It's really going to be a big deal at Madison Square Garden. I'm so excited for that show. Really excited. Check out my video on Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel to see, like, kind of like the hype for the announcement for the G1 Supercard show. I'm very excited about that. And then, I let's just put the, the first question... Let's hope they do because AJ Styles and Samoa Joe have had some great matches in the past in TNA, uh, and it's it's the match I've been looking forward to on SmackDown for months. Um, so I hope they do it right. I hope they do it right too because, as you said, two of the best athletes in WWE, two of your favorites, definitely two of mine. So I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up too high. That's the whole thing. You get your hopes up high. Then they get disappointed yeah. with WWE sometimes. <laughs> yes, Not all the do. time. I will say there's some stuff that they do great and right. do very well. But other times... There's a lot that's frustrating, too. Yeah, there is. <laughs> it's only natural to feel frustrated. And again, I want to... Before we get to the last part of his question, which has to do with WWE booking, a lot of people online are like, oh, why, are you ever, is, why is everybody complaining about WWE? It's such a negative thing. Why do you even watch? I think it's okay to be critical if you're being constructive. And if you're saying it like in an analytical way if you're not hurting people or bashing people for their opinions if you guys love wwe and you think it's perfect and nothing should be changed or if you only agree with half of what we're saying that's fine that's okay if you don't like new japan the way i do that's okay everyone can have their opinions i'm okay with you guys having your opinion hopefully you guys can respect ours because it's okay to have one and i think it's okay to talk about it in a intelligent and respectful way yeah and or you can be like me and just like both and don't have I do to... like both. I'm just saying some people get hung up on people being negative about it. Well, and there's too when many it's just pe- being critical in a, a constructive no, way. No, but there's too many people that are one side or the other. That's there's too much of that too. Yeah, you there know? is. And you know, I've used the anal- uh, analogy in the past. If you were like that and you know, you only like WWE or you only like New Japan, you're never going to get convinced. Just like you're not going to convince a Red Sox fan to be a Yankees fan. You're not gonna <laughs> convince a Republican to be a Democrat. Yeah, it's, that's true. So, how about meeting in the middle? Because I like it all. I like it all too <laughs> when it's all good. <laughs> Sometimes WWE isn't like what I think is entertaining no. and hold my attention. That's the only thing. Like it's hard when you can, or I can watch a New Japan show for five hours and feel like it's no time at all has passed. Whereas WWE, it feels like it lasts a little bit longer. And I don't know why that is. I think it's just the way they present it sometimes. But either way, when WWE's good, it's really good. So, having said all that, he asked, do we think WWE will book Roman versus Lashley versus Braun versus Brock at SummerSlam for the Universal title? I don't think so. Obviously, they're going towards a, a singles match. Maybe. Uh, I, Unless they change it up and something weird happens yes, in the last qualifying match. Yeah, if something happens, it wouldn't surprise me if Roman and Lashley are in this and Brock loses the belt. You know, he doesn't get pinned. We've seen that in the past. I don't think Braun will be in it. If Braun is involved, it will be in cashing in the money in the bank. I don't think he'll actually be in the match. Right. And our very last question comes from our great friend Aaron at Aaron underscore PWP. He says, thoughts on Hiromu Takahashi's injury and if it should change how wrestlers work going forward. Now, I know Aaron did a video on this. You could check it out on his Twitter. I don't know how to feel about this. Yes, wrestlers are moving really fast. And like he's saying, it's kind of like a problem 
in wrestling right now, not just with New Japan. I just don't know. It'd be hard for us as audiences who have been accustomed now to the new style of wrestling. Like, everyone loves big, high spots. Everyone loves, like, a really fast-paced match. And it's kind of hard to see wrestling reverting back to more of a simpler time. Even though simple does work, we've seen it time and time again, when wrestlers do call back to the classic way of doing things, to the more drawn-out, more mat-based, more psychology-driven stuff. It still works. It's, you know, I'd be tired. Le- I'd be less interested, though. I like the high spots. I like the fast pace. (laughs) It's hard to say, but check out Aaron's thoughts on this. I really don't know how to feel. All I know is that I'm so sad about Hiromu, but glad that it seems like it's not as serious as we first all thought it was. He tweeted out on his Twitter that he was fine. He had a cute little drawing of him uh, and Daryl, and it said, I'm fine in three different languages, in Japanese, in English, and in Spanish. Look, these guys like doing this, you know? I mean... And they know the risks. I, I'm i sure Kevin Owens, despite going from 20 feet through a table and the incredible risk that that took for him and Braun to execute it and get the reaction it did, that's why they do it. They love it. They love the reaction of the crowd. So, yes, try to be safer. You know, I've said repeatedly that some of these spots in New Japan... Some of these package pile drivers scare me because there's not a lot of margin for error. But at the same time, I don't think we have to overreact um, just because of Takahashi's injury. It was a mistake. It was as simple as that. It was an accident and it happens everywhere. It's just hard to say what all of wrestling could do to standardize everything and keep people from getting hurt. Because even if there was things in place, wrestlers want to steal the show, as you kind of alluded to a little bit. They want to have the best match of the night, so they're going to take those risks to get that best match on the card. They want that feeling. They want that accolade. So I can understand that, too. They're going to do whatever it takes. And look, simple things have caused injuries that were kind of stunning. I mean, look, uh, one of Enzo Amore's first big matches on yeah. the, on the on a pay-per-view. Sliding, gets thrown, hits the ropes full speed, and then it knocks him out cold. But he was, and a lot of it has to do with trust with the other person because he actually got thrown a little too fast. Right. It, it was it was just mistiming and kind of bad execution but, on on one of the guy's parts. But but nobody would have thought that that was a dangerous spot. Mm-mm. But then it was scary. You know, it, it was, was scary because Enzo was out cold. So you could see him. It was like he went. Yeah. Limp. So so I mean, be safer. But you know, accidents happen. Things happen. You know. It's just, it's the nature of the business. It's no different than, you know, make things safe, just like hockey is take, taking out, hits the head and stuff. Do what you can to protect, but don't change the game. Well, like, you know, let's let's use basketball like you like to refer to so much. Like, the ref's always calling fouls and stuff. Doesn't that get, like, old? Right. So they're, they're like, oh, we're protecting the players, but at a time it's like it stops being as much of a game and starts being like everything is micro-analyzed and micromanaged. I don't want that ha- to happen to wrestling. No, me neither. So uh, thank you guys for your questions. I really love them this week. There were some tough ones. There were some interesting, thought-provoking ones, but no matter what kind of question you submitted, thank you so much. We hope to get more in the future. And obviously there was one that exposed me that I have not seen Willy Wonka. Oh, well, that's no surprise. You're not like into popular culture. Sure. Whatever. If you say so. Well, either way, check us out on Two Face Pod on Twitter. 
and uh, that's where you could send in your questions. We're really eager to hear from you. Tell us what you think about the show. Um, we'll be also releasing polls, as I said earlier. And make and, sure you submit the questions using the hashtag AskTwoFaced. Yep, that would help us find them. Also, I'll call for questions on the Twitter every week, so look out for that tweet. You know, periodically look at the profile page. If you might have missed it, it'll be right on there, easy to find. But now, it's time to close out the show and send them home. Why don't you uh, lead off? Okay. Well, I'm closing out the show with promoting a Ring of Honor DVD. That's actually my favorite DVD ever. The reason I'm talking about it is because apparently Ring of Honor says there's only about 20 copies left that they're selling. So go to ROHwrestling.com. And if you like AJ Styles, this DVD I can't recommend enough. It's so good and so entertaining. It's AJ Styles 2014 There's No Place Like Home DVD. I do call it my number one favorite DVD. It's because there's so many great matches. And it's when he came back to ROH after being gone for so long. And it was right in that span where he also became IWGP Heavyweight Champion in New Japan. So some great matches, including, I think, my favorite match on the disc are some he has with Matt Seidel. I think there's one from 2006 and then one from 2013 or 14 on that disc. I'm going to go with uh, something Austin Aries said at the beginning of the show uh, when I asked him about bridging the gap between promotions. And, look, we love all of the possibilities of some of these matches. The one thing that concerns me is blurring the lines too much that each brand doesn't have their own feel, their own signature. If New Japan and Ring of Honor, especially Ring of Honor and Impact, do too much overlap, I think the distinction of the brands could be hurt. And uh, so I love that we have all this possibility of dream matches. And I love that there's the possibility for WWE stars who have tested the WWE, aren't getting booked the way they want to, to get, as Austin Aries said, the chance to wrestle and make good money because there are so many good promotions. But I just don't want the promotions to lose their identity in this. So, you know, keep Rink of Honor distinct, keep Impact distinct. Don't do too much of the overlap. I can see your point there. I don't know if I agree because <laughs> I'm really excited about the crossover. So I am I too, know. as long as it doesn't happen too much. I understand. Don't but, don't dilute the specialness of it. Good point there, Paul. And thank you guys so much for listening or watching if you're checking us out on YouTube. This has been our debut episode with Wrestling Inc. Hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you'll tune in again next week. We'll be back on Friday. So thanks so much. And that's the finish.